0: it's time. time for barreled up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your here's your here's your host, Jim White. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. We are going to dive into some Mets talk in this one, and we're going to Mike Mayer, editor in chief at Mets Marized, to talk about the crazy sixty minute whirlwind of the Craig Council. Uh, the whole managerial situation, get his thoughts on Council, Mendoza, the whole scenario. We're going to dive into Pete Alonso. He has dominated the news cycle over the last 24 hours with Scott Boris giving tons of sound bites, specifically relating to Alonso and a possible extension, at least interest in talking about an extension. We'll talk about Otani. We'll talk about Yamamoto. We'll talk about some of the other pitchers on the market and some bats and how they can maybe add to the slugging. For the 2024 team. So I'm excited to have Mike on here. Make sure, if you have not yet, everybody to subscribe to the pod if you have not yet and help us grow. Like, review, share this podcast with your friends. Let them know that some great baseball conversations are happening over here and turn those automatic downloads on. So as soon as the content is available, you've got it. Now, let's get to my conversation with Mike Mayer. Metsmerized. All right, I am here with Mike Mayer, editor-in-chief of Metsmerized, because there is so much Mets news to talk about. Before we hit record, we were talking about how this is a 365 news cycle team, so we have to dig into a lot in this one. Mike, thank you for joining me.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. Like you said, there's, there's always plenty of stuff to talk about with the Mets, and mm-hmm. That they finally found a manager, so that's I'm sure one of the big things we're going to talk about.
0: Yeah, yes, yes, to say the least. And let's kick off with that. Actually, um, you cover a lot of Mets news. Um, you 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 report a lot of Mets news. Where does that sixty minute whirlwind of there's a tweet that Craig Council is going to make his announcement soon and Within 20 minutes after that, it is announced that the Mets have made a manager decision, and it is not Craig Council. And then Craig Council takes the job. Just what was that like in your world going through the whole thing, going from council to Mendoza, then councils to Cubs, and then all that? What was what was that on your end?
1: Well, I was Monday, is one of the only days where I kind of have some time that's not like three jobs involved Mm -hmm. so i was actually grocery shopping when i got the first message about hey some things are gonna move today you should probably pay attention to this ask people this and i was like all right i need to get the heck out of here and drive home right and that that's basically when we really started here and like hey council's gonna he's gonna make his decision today and like Mm -hmm. then it's reaching out to people trying to figure out where it's gonna be and i I mean, I think council did a pretty good job of letting no one know exactly where it was going to be. There was even speculation to the point had after they said he was going to make a decision. Well, oh, hey, it's not the Mets or Milwaukee. And then it's like these little trickle things like, oh, he's going to a team that already has a manager. And then Mm -hmm. it's just I mean, that was just whirlwind on Twitter where everyone's just speculating who, who the heck is this going to be? And I, I honestly don't think there was a whole lot of speculation about it being the Cubs until right. it was announced. Um, and I, I st- obviously it still surprised everyone, not only the Cubs and then the contract that he got. And then that kind of hit maybe a little bit that the, the Mets did make their decision, which was actually before council when they decided to um, hire Mendoza. I,
0: I got to wonder, um, I have a follow-up to that before I do, just where does that rank, that 60-minute stretch, where does that rank for you in covering the Mets? Is that a top 10 moment in Mets land for you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, last year, I I think the Korea moment probably stretches mm-hmm. over almost like a month yeah. about the craziness, and there's like two or three days in there. That was pretty wild. But yeah, and then you've got a couple of really busy deadlines there and other different like hiring periods and stuff. But certainly, like, a really like 30 to 60 minutes that that's got to be in the top 10 of just, I mean, mostly craziness, but also surprise. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of the even top national writers in baseball had any inkling that Craig Council was going to the Cubs for five years at 40 million.
0: Now, we've heard David Stern's reaction to it and his surprise. Do, do you think that the Mets... I, I thought it was interesting that the Mets made their announcement within 10 to 20 minutes of the news the council was going to be making his decision. Did the Mets know, that, not that he was going to the Cubs, but did do, did the Mets know that he's not coming here maybe the day before? Or that morning?
1: It it sounded like council started reaching out to folks that morning and okay. telling um, other interesting teams the decision that he was going to make. And I, I think from the way that Mets reacted in hiring Mendoza that day and kind of earlier in the day when they did, I, I think they were pretty comfortable in the fact that, hey, this we're going to hire Mendoza if we find out that council doesn't take this job and I I I think they were smart in the way that they acted and treated the whole situation
0: yeah do you feel confident that Mendoza was the next guy on the list that they were interested in did they get the number two guy or is Mendoza maybe was the number three or the number four guy
1: no yeah I feel pretty comfortable that they got the number two guy um everyone I've talked to with the Mets and other organizations kind of felt like this was the year that Mendoza was going to get hired um, he interviewed really well. And if the Mets hadn't hired him, that likely potentially the Brewers Padres, someone else was going to scoop him up this off season. So another yeah. reason why the Mets acted when they did too.
0: Yeah. Hey, we're hearing some great things about the reputation he has around baseball. While he doesn't have a ton of experience, uh, the reputation is key. And maybe that's what this team, maybe that's what this team needs. Let's speaking about what the team needs Looking ahead to to, to this offseason and how things are going to play out, it is going to be extremely busy. And let's start with on the current roster, and that is Pete Alonzo. There were some sound bites today from Scott Boris that he's open to a contract uh, negotiation to get him extended, which is good news. Um, you, you know, there's there's some out there that believe that Pete will make it to free agency no matter what, similar to Juan Soto, because he wants to see what he can get on the open market. But what is the likelihood, in your opinion, of a Pete Alonso extension being worked out?
1: I, I'm i not going to put a percentage on it like I, mm-hmm. I know some some writers put a percentage on him getting traded today, um, but I, I think there's a chance that it gets done. I, like you said boris could have very much said today hey pete is looking forward to seeing free agency um boris could have certainly said that today he, he could have decided to play hardball it wouldn't be the first time boris has done that with a big time um player that's going into free agency so i i do think he really is interested in some dialogue and i think alonzo is too look it, it's more than just Pete Alonzo, the slugger, this is a guy that's really come to love New York and New York loves him, too. So it it's a lot of uh, one big package rolled up in together. And I think um, it's in the best interest of probably both parties here to get it done before free agency next year.
0: Yeah, you think about how difficult it is to play in New York and to find guys that can play in New York, be comfortable, can thrive. And they've got one. And you know if you if you send Pete Alonso away, you're going to be looking for other guys that that can maybe fit them all. Just just keep just keep the guy that you know can already do it. I think uh, I, I think Pete Pete just feels like a Met too. Like I cannot envision him in any of the other 29 uniforms. It would just even though he I mean it's not like he's been a Met for a decade, but it kind of feels like he has. And he's just he's a Met, and I I do hope that uh, they can get that done. That uh, David Sterns can can work something out there. Let's go off roster, and let's talk about Shohei Otani. There's all of the news. There's all of the rumors. There's going to be speculation. It's going to be all over the place. It's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. If we were to do a, a top 10, where about would you put the Mets at actually landing Shohei Otani.
1: So, I mean, talking to some people early in as we get into free agency and seeing other people's reporting to listening to their stuff. I think I think I if I had to put a favorite, I think it's still the Dodgers right now. And I would have to say after that, I think it's the Mets. I just you can't overlook Steve Cohen and what what he's willing to do from the people I've talked to he really understands the value of not only Shohei Otani, the baseball player, but Shohei Otani, the, the person, what he is to not only this country, but Japan, all over the world, what this guy brings to a marketing standpoint. And Steve Cohen knows that just as good as anyone. He's a smart businessman that's gotten in this position for a reason. So um, I, I think the Mets are going to put a very high bid in for Shohei Otani.
0: Do you think Otani makes the decision on money alone? I I I asked that question because I'm sort of setting up. I think Steve Cohen will offer the most. I think Steve Cohen may outbid the Dodgers, but Otani's gonna look at the fact that the Dodgers win the West pretty much every year. They're a hundred-win team pretty much every year. The Mets have up and downs. And I wonder if. Steve will be the highest bidder, but maybe comes up short because Otani values. Do you, do you get a feel? Is Otani gonna value money or winning? Or maybe maybe it's a little bit of both?
1: I, I think he's gonna value both of those. And like you said, if the Dodgers are close to what Cohen ends up bidding, that that might be what does it, right? The Dodgers obviously have been a perennial winner recently. And also, obviously, they're on the West Coast, where Otani is now. So that would be kind of two tough things for the Mets to compete if their offers are super close. But, yeah, I agree with you. I have a hard time imagining anyone else offering Otani more money than Steve Cohen does this offseason.
0: Yeah, I, I want to say during the regular season, I think we heard and this was before everything with the Padres sort of fell apart that the Padres were just going to keep whatever it would take. The Padres were going to match and go over. And I think with the loan they had to take out, the TV deal going away, uh, everything, uh, that almost works out great for Steve Cohen in the Mets because I I do believe that takes the Padres not not only actually out of the equation, but theoretically out of the equation. And when you are negotiating and you know There's no shot the Padres are in. I don't care what his agent says. There's no way. You can can stare that down, and and you don't have to balk at a San Diego rumor because it will just be too far-fetched. Let's say Otani's a no-go. Otani goes to the Dodgers, and let's say it happens rather quickly, um, which I don't think is going to happen, but let's just live in that hypothetical world for a minute. Obviously, the focus needs to be on pitching. I think number one, yes, they need another bat, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but the pitching has to be number one because it's Kodai Senga and then a lot of question marks. (laughs) Yamamoto is the big target on everybody's board. Similarly to how we just did the Otani thing, if we were to rank a top 10, uh, you know, list of teams, where would you see the Mets landing on a... Uh, a Yamam- Yamamoto ranking for most likely to land the pitcher.
1: I mean, I I think they have to be number one or two there too. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, they have Sanga and Jose Cantada, and then not nothing that you can firmly say. Hey, this is quality major league pitching. And they lost David Peterson for the first couple of months of the year too. Announced today, yeah. so yep. um, I I think. They're gonna go after him strong. I think that's always been the plan, and I think that's even more so now with them just needing pitching. I, they're they're likely gonna need three starters probably this off season. And again, it's it, it's Steve Cohen, um, and Yamamoto can have that comfortability of knowing that they brought in a Kode Senga and were, was able to get him into a position to be successful, pretty. <laughs> pretty right off. I mean, he had a couple of starts where he, he showed that his command needed to be worked on. But after that, he was, I mean, he's going to be a top five Cy Young vote getter. He's a finalist for Rookie of the Year. So I think Yamamoto can find some comfort in the um, success that Senga's had in New York.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, I mean, if you're looking for an example. We got one. We just did it. Uh, I think that could be, something big Yamamoto feels like, I don't know why I'm getting New York vibes over LA vibes. I just do. I I don't know. And those listening on in, in LA or in the Midwest are you know, (laughs) angry and maybe tuning out at this point. And I apologize to those people, but I don't know why it just feels like, uh, feels like a New York guy here. Um, keeping with the pitching thing, and the way the Mets have operated, and and maybe this was more under this was more of an Epler thing. The do you think David Stearns is going to be comfortable? Let's say Yamamoto goes to the Yankees, and let's say Otani goes to the Dodgers. They could always wait for Roki Sasaki. That could be a year or two away. Who knows the, the, when he can actually come to the United States? There's there's a little bit of question there. Um. Will they start to look at long-term contracts with non-Japanese pitchers? (laughs) The the, the Nolas, the Snells, maybe a trade with Milwaukee for Burns and then locking Burns up. Do you see them entertaining some of the top pitchers in this market on a long-term contract? Because that's the only way you're going to get. Nolan, Snell is a a five or six year deal. Or are they going to continue to shy away from that, do you think?
1: Well, it's funny because you said non Japanese. And when I was thinking about this in my head, the first pitcher I was going to next was Shoto Imanaga, who is the second Japanese pitcher that's coming over, um, yep. left hander that's going to be posted too. And I think he's looking for a Kodai Sanga type deal, um, going to be in that range probably. He's a little bit older than Sanga. So I think um, teams will still be comfortable giving him probably five years in the. 75 85 million dollar range and i do think that is the type of deal that stearns is going to look for because he's going to look for more value right i, I don't yeah. just because he's going to have all that money from steve cohen it, it doesn't mean he's going to go out and sign otani yamamoto schnell nola all of these guys he, he's still going to be smart with his money and i i think that's probably where he'd really like to top out is five, maybe six years for these type of guys, especially you're talking about starting pitchers that are 30, 31, 32 years old. Um, which is, I mean, it's a little bit different philosophy than Epler, but I think Epler was kind of forced into that hand, right? That those are the two best starting pitchers on the market. They just right. happen to be 38, 39, 40 years old. So mm-hmm. uh, I I don't think that you'll see them giving any like seven, eight, nine year deals. No,
0: the market will be interesting to see where it takes some of those pitchers. I think there will be a lot of teams with a sort of uh, Carlos Rodon concern level where they're going to look at what the Yankees just did there and say, no, we're not going down that road. Now, Rodon had some injury history, so it's a little bit different. Nola has generally been pretty healthy. Snell has, for the most part, been healthy. He has had some injuries in the past, but um, he's been pretty dependable lately. Yeah, I I, I, I just... This is an offseason where I feel like pitching is going to be of, of the utmost extreme. And if they miss out on... I mean, we know Otani's not pitching next year. Um, but if they miss out on the other pitchers, uh, the other foreign pitchers, Japanese-born pitchers, I, I, I would, I would wonder if... Nell, Nola, Eduardo Rodriguez are possibilities on four or five year deals. So interesting to see what David Stearns does. Were you surprised about the the Adam Modavino thing? He wanted to be there. There were quotes on him wanting to be there and wanting to get his extension or rework his contract. And Stearns was like, no go. Did that surprise you at all? The, the Adam
1: Adovino I I think deal? it surprised me the most that he declined it. I mean, he's 38 years old, coming off a pretty mediocre um yeah. year to turn down 6.75 million. I I that was the most surprising thing for me from that standpoint.
0: It seems almost like he was he was turned that that kind of reaction feels like he was he's turned off by the direction. Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens, but it that really was interesting because I remember this when I was going through and doing my Free agency prep and research, and I was considering Adam Ottavino. And I was looking up news stories on him. I saw reports that he was he really liked being with the Mets. It's where he wanted to be. So interesting that when he tries to rework something to stay there longer, the Mets David Stearns is like, no, so he declines, walks walks out of there. Um, off the pitching, let's get on to the hitting. The Mets could use some more slugging in that lineup. Um, which is why I don't think Pete Alonso, even if they don't get an extension worked out, Pete's going to be there on opening day. Do you get any sense that maybe they favor any bats, any of these hitters over any other ones? You've got, you know, J.D. Martinez, uh, I think maybe could fit in here. But again, there's also a lot of young kids that you want to give playing time to. How do they maybe balance that out or will they count on Vientos and Beatty and Mauricio providing that slug? How do you, how do you see that playing out?
1: Yeah, I think we're a little early to answer some of the questions, but I do think it's interesting. Obviously today Stearns was asked about Daniel Vogelbeck, who if you wrote out a lineup today is likely the DH against right handers. And, interesting that he noted that he acquired Vogelback when he was with the Brewers but what he didn't also mention is he non-tendered Vogelback too at one point and mm. that's certainly another possibility and i think probably a pretty strong likelihood because of what you're talking about is th- they need a slugger um Vogelback has been fine with the Mets against right handers since they got him but um it- it's just he can't play any positions. He can't hit lefties at all. So it, it's really, he's very, very one dimensional. So, and they need home runs. So I think some of you mentioned JD Martinez, um, Jorge Soler. Uh, there's a couple other names out there. I, I really do think that the Mets will look for a DH type that can put the ball in the stands. I, I think that's a pretty clear need for them. And also We'll have to keep an eye on see what they do in the outfield market because outside of Nimmo, they, they have some questions in the outfield too. Marte's coming off a year where he struggled most of the year, probably wasn't healthy most of the year. Um, so putting Jeff McNeil out there, at times Mark Hanna is now a Detroit Tiger. Um, th- they're going to have to fill some innings in the outfield, and they certainly are going to need some offense out there.
0: Yeah, I, I feel like they're in an interesting spot where if if things work out really well with Vientos and Mauricio and Beatty has a a, a resurgence, a, a bounce back, however you want to put it, Alvarez does what we saw him do last year, that things could be incredible for the Mets. They, they could be a juggernaut offense, but these young bats, these young kids, young players, there's some volatility there. So do you go out and 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 bring in some insurance? Last year, I don't know if this was a buck thing. It seems like they went overboard on the, on the insurance with all the additions that they made. Um, you know, bring Vogel back, because back, I believe there was an option. Maybe I'm um misremembering that, but I believe there was an option to bring him back. The Tommy Pham deal. Uh, there were some other players that were in the mix that blocked the opportunities for. Vientos to get more at bats or Mauricio to get more at bats. So this is the year where I guess you got to unleash them, right? Or bring in some security. And if you, if, if you're bringing in some security, I mean, I don't even know where would you go? Cause I don't know if JD Martinez would be a security bat or Justin Turner would be a security bat because they're going to want to play every day. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you have any read on, 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 if, if they're not shopping at the top of that slugging list, if they're shopping in the middle, anybody that sort of stands out to you?
1: No, I think uh, you actually mentioned a good name that makes a lot of sense. And we actually had an article about him go up today as Justin Turner, um, simply because he d- he does. I mean, he's not a great defensively at third anymore, but he gives them some protection for Beatty, Vientos, Mauricio, if all of those guys struggle at third base he gives them some protection there and if not like we said they need a dh and they need a guy that's going to hit and turner still at 38 39 is still shown that he's a good big league hitter he was hitting very well until september this year kind of looked like he maybe lost his legs a little bit he's like we're saying he's an older guy but so Mm -hmm. give him a little bit more break during the season and this is a guy that's going to hit very well for 120 125 games and like we said that gives you some protection at third base and he gives you he can spot Alonzo over at first too so I mean that type of player I think is really what the Mets would be looking for someone who can play a little bit of third but maybe focus most of their time at uh DH
0: and it's a short-term contract, right? Uh, yeah. You don't get into any long-term relationships with J.D. Martinez or Justin Turner or or players like that. It'll be a one- or two-year deal. So you're not married to them for the long term, and then that prevents you or hinders you or puts you in a spot where you got to eat some money. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what the Mets do this offseason. We know they're going to be active, involved, going to make headlines they've already made headlines and more headlines are certainly to come speaking of headlines again uh mike i want you to tell the listeners you know again everywhere that they can find your content and maybe some of the you know some stuff that you're working on that uh they can look forward to here you know as we sort of really get into free agency
1: yeah you can find me at mike mayor 22 on twitter um you can find all our content at metsmerize right on the site. Um, We do a weekly podcast called the MMO weekly on YouTube. Um, And yeah, we, we got a bunch of stuff coming up. We, like I said, the Justin Turner thing was a free agent profile. We try to go through all of the free agents that make sense for the Mets and profile them. Uh, We'll have one of Yamamoto coming up soon. Um, Jack Flaherty is another one we didn't talk about today, but kind of that next echelon of starting pitching. Um, Certainly the type that they'll need for a fourth, fourth fifth spot so uh keep a lookout for uh all those profiles that we'll have out
0: awesome awesome mike i, I do appreciate this uh i may reach out to you again if things get crazy and off the rails i mean i may need to go to you again and-, and and have have you you know talk us down a ledge if, if it gets absolutely crazy but uh, i do appreciate you uh coming on and joining us
1: absolutely thanks for having me
0: this has been the Barreled Up Podcast. Thank you all for coming in and spending time here. Make sure if you have not yet, turn the automatic downloads on so you get the content as soon as it is released, no matter where you are. In an underground tunnel, driving through a, a, a bridge under some water, you're not going to be able to connect to the internet. So make sure you have the automatic downloads turned on so you have this waiting for you. Thank you guys for coming in again. Subscribe, rate, review, help us grow. Stay close to the pod some more great conversations coming up so make sure you're close thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you next time